Thank you, worship team, for leading us into this time of spirit-filled worship and jumping into the spirit-filled book known as the Bible, specifically in a book within the Bible titled Ephesians. Man, it's so cool to see so many different colorful jerseys on in the house today. Amen? Right? No amens for that. Everybody's like, eh, you know, we're just excited about Jesus, man. Forget all that other stuff. I feel you. I feel you. Amen. Well, if you're joining us online, we're glad that you are online with us as well. My name is Hayden Ratner. I'm a senior pastor here at Walk Church. I greet you alongside my wife, Nina, and our entire ministry team. And today, we're glad to be back in the book of Ephesians. Thank you to our Walk Church media team and specifically my brother Wilson, all the way from the Philippines, piecing together the last uh, few years of sermons throughout Ephesians. We're, in, we're, we're up in the 30s when it comes to sermons just in this one book alone. We love expository preaching here at Walk Church. I know that's a big word, but really what it, what it means is that we love going verse by verse and exposing to us what's in the text. And so God wants to speak to us. Every word of God proves to be true. Amen. He wants to prove himself to you today that he's true, he's good, he's righteous, he's holy, and I'm grateful to step back into this book again. I love the book of Ephesians for several reasons. It, it's a book that reminds me of my story. It reminds me from death to life. It reminds me of God's grace. It, and, and today, it's got a special place in my heart because it reminds me of a specific brother uh, who some of you may know, his, his name is Peter Casella, my brother Peter Casella. Some of y'all remember Pete, right? Uh, we see some of Peter's kids here in the house today. And I remember Peter who went home to be with the Lord this past year. I remember him pulling me aside a couple years ago prophetically, and he, he got me in a little headlock, and he said, Pastor Hyden, I got a word for you. And he didn't know that God was already showing me this, but he said, I really feel like our church needs to dive into the book of Ephesians. And I said, brother, that was already on my heart, and you just confirmed it. And so that was, that was over two years ago, and so I feel like we got to finish it now in honor of the Lord and also in honor of our brother Peter's request um, to, to finish this book strong. So I got him on my heart this morning as we jump into this book. I, I wanted to, to continue live in person uh, from that video recap because... We stopped at the beginning of chapter 6, and it's a six-chapter book, the book of Ephesians. It's toward the right side of your Bible. It's a smaller book in the New Testament that Paul wrote to a church that was planted in a city called Ephesus, which is still exists today, and you can go see the, the ruins and the different places that Paul walked and the churches that he planted there. You can see some of the different spaces that actually exist, right, that this church no longer exists. All churches seem to have a life cycle. That's why we believe in the kingdom of God that doesn't have an expiration date. Amen. But what we see here in this book is that, that God is speaking to us about a variety of things. And we stopped after the spirit-filled family in the first couple verses in chapter 6 last March. So we're coming up on a year. We felt like God took us into a variety of different sermon series on how to wrestle with the tensions of the day and how the Bible speaks to issues like headlines and all the different things that we could lean into in the Bible during a pandemic and, and subjects of honor and then how God has to do, wants to do more in the life of our church as we celebrated five years and then even this, this past series that we just completed in, in Christmas and, and God, God has been moving in the life of our church. He really has. But we really feel like today we're going to just dig our heels back into the book of Ephesians and set our minds and what he has in store for us. So I want to just give a big picture, 30,000 foot view recap, because maybe you're joining us online for the first time, maybe you're new here to Walk Church, and you're like, that video was cool, but I wasn't here for the past two years. So what we want to do in this message is just do a quick speed catch up, all right, where we've come from, so that next week you're like, man, I'm ready to jump back into Ephesians chapter 6. If you got all that, say, I got it. Come on, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. If you're hungry, say, Let's eat. But come on, put it in the chat. Let's eat, let's eat, let's eat. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name right now that you would speak to us through this book. God, your blood has washed away our sin, and so Jesus, today, the right response, as Vashon said, is to say thank you. So God, I, I, I want to thank you for your blood, and I also want to thank you for your book. Thank you for your 
word, God, your word that is living, your word that activates us and helps us see clearly. God, I pray you would speak to us through this word. God, open our hearts. God, illuminate to us the words of God. Help us to see the gospel clear again. Help us to see your grace as beautiful and amazing. It's not boring. It's fresh. God, help us today. We invite your Holy Spirit to lead us now. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. When I think of the book of Ephesians, there's a few quotes that just leap off the page uh, for me that I just want to remind us of. Uh, one of the one of the greatest revivalists and preachers of the past century is a guy by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones. He preached many different sermons, was a pastor to pastors, wrote several different books. And when, when Lloyd-Jones wrote about the book of Ephesians, here's what he said. He says, it's very difficult to speak of Ephesians in a controlled manner because of its greatness and because of its sublimity. Many have tried to describe it. One writer has described it as the crown and climax of Pauline theology. Another has said that it is the distilled essence of the Christian religion. The most authoritative and most consummate compendium of our holy Christian faith. What language, and it is by no means exaggerated. This book right here can be considered as the, the treasure chest of the Bible. It's almost when you open Ephesians, you start to see all these gems that are glowing from the scripture, it's all tied together in one small book. Dr. Tony Morita, who wrote an expository commentary on Ephesians, says that Ephesians provides grace-filled encouragement. If you feel tired, discouraged, beat up, come on, lonely, confused, then welcome to Ephesians. Our souls need to see this description of the glorious grace of God. Amen? If you find yourself in any of those categories, there's good news for you today, and we're going to open it up and unpack some of those truths. I was reading a testimony of a brother named John Mackey, former president of Princeton Seminary. In one book, he recalled how at the age of 14, he took his Bible into the hills of Scotland and began studying the book of Ephesians, he wrote these words. He said, I saw a new world. Everything was new. I had a new outlook, new experience, new attitudes, new, new attitudes toward people. I love God. I loved God. I, Jesus Christ became the center of everything. I had been quickened. I was really alive. I love that right there because he says, man, there was something about when I opened up this book that God just began to reveal himself to me in fresh ways. And so that's my prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm taking his journey, his testimony. I'm saying, God, would you teach us over the next few weeks? And maybe you want to revisit some of the sermons. I love getting text messages throughout the week of somebody saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to a random message in Ephesians chapter 3 about the church. Or I'm, lis I'm listening into chapter 4 about how God equips us. Or I'm, I'm back in chapter 1 talking about the blessings. And so if you want to do that, all of that is found on walkchurch.com. Well, finally, as we get ready to just do this big 30,000-foot view recap of, of the first five and a couple verse chapters, I was thinking about uh, a song. A song came to my heart. Now, it might not be a song that, that you would think of in church, but there was a song that came out in 2018 written by popular rapper Drake, and he titled the song, God's Plan. And maybe you're familiar with this song, God's Plan. It, it has over 2 billion streams. I had to look at and count the, the zeros, like billion. It won a Grammy and all types of different uh, awards. And I remember Drake talking about this song and how he felt like this was a song that represents God's plan for his life. And that phrase, God's plan, is a, a, a phrase that is hashtagged all throughout social media. And people want to know God's plan. Amen. And I would just submit to you today, though I'm not against rap, hip-hop, or Drake, you do not need to listen to that song to find God's plan. God has actually revealed his plan in his word. The title of this sermon today, this recap, how would I recap these six chapters? I began praying, God, what do I even do with this? this is, there's so much. God said, well, title it, My Plan. So this is God's plan in the book of Ephesians, all right? So I want to give you six descriptors of God's plan for me and you 
through this book, all right? Six descriptors of God's plan for our lives, for our note takers, for our online watchers, six descriptors of God's plan. Come on, one more time. If you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, let me go ahead and give you number one. God's plan is to bless us. Oh, thank you, brother. I'm with you, man. I, was, I would thought that there would be at least two. God's plan is to bless us. Come on, one more time. God's plan is to bless us. I, yes, thank you, Pastor Dean. I think that some of y'all have this hesitation to say amen there because you still think God's plan is to condemn you. Maybe you're hesitant to say amen. The word amen means I wholeheartedly agree. So we can have a dialogue today, not, not a monologue where the pastor comes and shares about God's word and we sit and we listen, but we can dialogue here today about these truths of God. If you say amen, that just means I agree. God's plan is to bless us. God has a plan for your life and my life, and here's what it looks like. It's to bless us. That's one of the reasons why we wanted to sing, the Lord bless you. God has a plan, and his plan is to bless us. Where do we find that description? Well, it's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Let's look at it together. Let's read it off the screen. Ready? One, two, three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All right? Right? Come on. Amen? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places are now our inheritance. God has a plan, and his plan is to bless us. The Apostle Paul says, after he does this quick greeting, I, Paul the Apostle, unworthy to be called any of that, but God has called me. Here's what he wants us to know. Blessed be God. I want God to know that he's the most blessed person ever, right? He is the one who invented blessing. He's definitely blessed, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're blessed because we're associated with him in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. When you have a relationship with this Christ, you get all the blessings that Christ owns, which is what a beautiful gift, amen? I pray that this word encourages you. God wants to bless us. He plans on blessing us. But I would just say this, because I want to make sure that we cover up any areas that are confusing, that there's a chance, all right? Everybody say, a chance. All right, there's a chance that the description of God's blessing may look different than how you envisioned it. God does want to bless us. He does want to bless you, and he does bless you, and he plans to bless you. But how that is colored and created and curated may look different than how you envisioned it. What do you mean by that? Let me help you. All of chapter 1, chapter 1 is a big loaded chapter in Ephesians chapter 1. The entirety of chapter 1 is describing God's blessing and his ways and plan for blessing us. But not once in chapter 1 do you find anything about finances. Not once in chapter 1 do you find anything about materialistic things. Not once in chapter 1 do you find anything about personal or earthly relationships. Does God want to bless you? Yes. Does it look different potentially than how you might have thought it would? Yes. But I bet you it's even better than you thought it is. That the blessings that God has for your life and your family might even be better than the, 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 the miniature ones that you could dream of. Let's talk about some of the blessings found in chapter 1. And I'm just going to do a, a speed dribble through it, all right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, if you have a Bible, you can look at these briefly with me. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says that God chose us before the foundations of the world. What's the first blessing? The first blessing is that you got picked. I'm a sports guy, amen? I want to get picked. We used to do pickup games back in the day. We still do them here and there, but, you know, it's like, hey, yo, can you pick me up? 
I want to run. I don't want to just be on the sideline. We were actually all sidelined on our way to hell. And God said, I want to pick you. You want to join my, my team? Jesus wants to give us a jersey on his team, right? The winning team, an eternal team. It says he chose us. You say, well, he chose me because I'm a good person. No, you're not a good person. And not only that, you weren't even alive yet. It was before the foundations of this world. Chapter 4 says that before the found, look, God is so good. He's so big. He's an author and an architect, right? He was designing and founding and laying out the blueprints for the world. But before that, he chose you. Verse 5 said that he predestined you to be adopted into his family. So not only were you on the sideline, on your way to an eternal destruction, but you were on the sideline waiting to be picked at an orphanage without a home, without a covering. You were a walking dead zombie floating around on this earth waiting to die and go to a place that you would not want to go to. And God adopts you into his family. You may not have a good physical earthly family and I want, to do, I want to say here today that that breaks the heart of God because that's not how he designed family. But I want to encourage you that, that what David says in Psalm 34, he says that our father is a father to the fatherless. That he will adopt you into his family and be that father. Come on, ladies, be that husband that you may be dreaming of or wishing for or praying for that our God is a family God. He adopts us. He goes down to the adoption agency, and he says, I want you. And I bet you Satan says, you don't want him. You don't want her. Do you know about all of his or her sin? And that's when Jesus says, it's on my hands. I paid for all of that with my blood. Amen. This is the gospel. This is the blessings found in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and Five, he predestined us. I know that that's kind of a weird, sticky, potentially controversial, not potentially a controversial word, but it's a biblical word. It just means that God is sovereign, right? He knows what he is doing. And it's a good word in the sense that God loves you enough that even before you ever sinned, he had his heart on you. And he wanted you to be a part of his family. Verse 7 says, that he redeemed us through his blood. So he chose us, that's the first blessing. He adopted us, that's the second blessing. He redeemed us through his blood. That's the third blessing, right? The word redeemed by definition, according to Webster's, means to restore back, to buy back, to, to get, get, get it back to what it originally was. God says, I'm about to buy you back. You didn't even know you were for sale. You didn't because you were just at the adoption agency. You were just spiritually an orphan, and God says, I want to buy this person. But what's it going to cost? It's going to cost his blood. Right? There was always a blood sacrifice according to the Old Testament law that required for healing, salvation, covering, newness. Even in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, God covered their sin with an offering, right, with the skin of animals, right, which was a foretelling of the gospel, right? And Jesus redeems us with his blood. Verse 7, part B says he forgave us then of our trespasses because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. So Jesus, right, he covers us, he sheds his blood for us, and then he forgives our trespasses. What's the definition of forgiveness? I love Hebrews 8 verse 12 describes forgiveness in its fullness. It says, he chooses to remember their sins no more, right? True biblical forgiveness isn't just saying, I'm letting it go, but I'm going to hold it over your head the rest of your life. No, true biblical forgiveness says, I'm choosing, I'm making the decision not to remember it anymore. You have to discipline yourself to do that. God models that. You say, I can't do that. You're right, you can't. That's why you need Jesus, man. You need Jesus to do that type of forgiveness through you. You need him. If you have a forgiveness problem, you have a Christ problem. He says, you have to forgive how I've called you to forgive. In fact, he says, you got to forgive how I've forgiven you. That's, 
That's big, amen? Verse 8 says, he has richly lavished upon us his grace. I love the language right there. He has richly lavished upon us his grace. Man, I praise God that he didn't richly lavish upon us his wrath. He instead lavished upon us his grace. Grace, by definition, is the undeserved favor from God. And he didn't just give it to us in a very stingy and cheap way. Amen? Come on, does anybody know about the grace of God today? Is his grace not new every single morning? His mercies are fresh. You woke up today... Wow, I need a whole nother load of grace to make it through this day. I need a whole nother batch of mercies to make it through this day. And God says, I got you because my plan has been always to bless you. It may not look how you thought it would look, but it's better than how you thought it would look. Verse 10, he says, he has made known to us the mystery of his will. Maybe you say, man, God's will is so mysterious. I don't really know what it looks like. You got to get back in this book because God wants to make his... His will known to you. Verse 10, one of the blessings of Christ is that he makes known to us his mysterious will. And his mysterious will has always been for you to know Christ. Everything flows out of your personal relationship with Jesus. That's why we don't use the word religion here at Walk Church. People all the time say to me, man, I'm not really religious. Somebody said to me that, uh, one of the people at Dutch Bros recently. I said, what, they said, what you doing today? I'm going to church. I said, oh, I'm not really religious. I said, no, I'm not either. Amen. And they really messed her up. She's like, well, what are you then? I said, I got a relationship with the Savior of the world. You could have that too. Religion is about do's and don'ts and check boxes. And let me just make sure I get all this stuff right. And one day I'll earn my way to heaven. You can't earn it. Pastor Mike just said that. You can't earn your worth. You can only receive it. That's why we need these blessings. Verse 10 says, he's made known to us the mystery of his will. The mystery is that it's Christ in the church. Verse 13 in chapter 1 says, he has sealed us with his promised Holy Spirit. That all of this that I'm talking about, all these blessings that, that the Spirit of God, right? The, the God of the Bible is a triune God. The Father God, the Son God, and the Spirit God. Amen? All three in perfect unity, in perfect community, in power, and they're all for us. The Holy Spirit seals all these blessings on our life. Verse 14 says that he is the guarantor that all these things will come to pass until we meet with Jesus in person. So if you feel like the Holy Spirit's always on your back, good. If you wake up and the Holy Spirit's like, hey, let's get better today. Let's get better today. Amen. That's a good thing. You should get nervous when you're like, man, how come the Spirit of God doesn't convict me anymore? How come the Spirit of God doesn't talk to me anymore? How come the Spirit of God doesn't show me, hey, you probably shouldn't go there anymore? The Spirit of God is the guarantee he's going to get you there. That's why Jesus says, look, I'm going to go away pretty soon. And the disciple Peter says, nah, Jesus, you can't go anywhere. And Peter says, get away from me, Satan. Get behind me because you don't have the things of God in your heart. right?" Because here's what Jesus knew. He said, it's going to be better to have the Spirit of God in us than the person of Jesus just walking with us here and there, right? We need the Spirit of God with us all day long, amen? amen. He guarantees us we're going to make it. He guarantees us that Philippians 1.6 is going to happen. What's Philippians 1.6? Here's, here's the verse. It says that he's going to finish what he started. He's going to complete the work that he began in you. God's plan is to bless us. It might not be how you envisioned it, it might just be better. I want to encourage you to revisit chapter 1 this week. Take time and just soak, walk slowly through these first 14 verses in Ephesians chapter 1. And unpack all of the blessings that God has for your life and for my life and for those who you're sitting with lives. God wants to do that in you and through you. If you're ready for point 2, say, I'm ready. Let me give you the second point. Not only is God's plan to bless us, God's plan is to save us. We, we, we've been talking about that already. We've been singing about that already. And friend, I hope we never stop. I once heard a, a pastor say, every week we preach the salvation of Jesus because every week we forget it. 
Every week we tend to say, oh no, I messed up again. I got to work really hard to get saved. And it's a lie of the flesh. It's a lie of the accuser, Satan. And friends, I want to remind you that God's plan is to save us. Now Paul begins to open our hearts to this in Ephesians chapter 2. As we look at chapter 2, let's start in verse 1. Come on, let's look at this together. It says, and you were dead. Just read these four words with me. Come on, ready? One, two, three, go. And you were dead. One more time. And you were dead. Look at the person next to you and say, and you were dead. Look at the person on the other side and say, and you were dead. All he is. Some of y'all don't realize. Some of you are still dead. And this message means nothing to you. And you're sitting here and you can't wait to leave. It's because you're dead. You can't wait to get to the only thing that makes you come alive, which is maybe a football game that lasts for a couple hours in an average halftime show. Hopefully it's a little bit better than average, right? The reason why that's your climax of joy, you can't go beyond that, is because you're dead. But you don't have to stay dead. My prayer is that something in this message would maybe come alive for you and be like, oh, I see again. I see, I see something. I feel something. What, where am I? Who are you? I'm your brother. I'm your sister. Wow, I didn't even know I had a family. Yeah, you actually were adopted. It's in Ephesians chapter 1. You were dead. We were all dead. Sometimes people think they try to, they try to put verses and words that aren't there. They think that we were in a coma. We were, and you were taking a nap. No. Dead means dead. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That's why I use that phrase zombie, because you were walking, you were talking, you were even breathing, but you were dead. Check this out. Let me, maybe this will be a revelation for you. What did God mean in the garden in Genesis chapter 1 when he said, Adam and Eve, don't eat the fruit because if you eat the fruit, you'll die. And Satan said, you're not going to die. What happened is that they ate and they became detached from the presence and person of God, which is death. When you can't feel the, 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 the things you were created for, when you can't see the one you're created for, that's death. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived i love the all passages because sometimes we tend to think about somebody else instead of ourselves we all once lived in the passions of our flesh you're like man hold up i came out a christian no you didn't you came out sinful and dead. Don't talk about my baby like that. It's God that's talking about your baby like that. He, he created your baby like that, right? He, he, he didn't create your baby like that, right? Sin created your baby like that, but that's why God has a plan. Praise God for your plan to save your baby. Man, I don't know where that, that all came from. Among whom we, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature. Come on, anybody remember the group? Naughty by nature, right? This is sinful by nature. We were sinful by nature, children of wrath. Nobody comes out the womb a child of God. We come out the womb a child of wrath. Everybody needs to make the decision for themselves one day to receive the blessing of Christ. The reason why we don't baptize babies here at Walk Church is one, because we don't ever see that practiced in the Bible, but two, because a baby can't make the decision to repent of his or her sin on their own and receive Jesus as their Savior. That's something that somebody has to do on their own, amen? You have to come to that decision one day and say, you know what, I'm sinful and I need a Savior and nobody's going to stop me. I need Christ. And, and, and guess what? You don't have to pay any money to do it. You just got to go to him and by faith, confess that you're a sinner, believe that you can be saved, believe he died on the cross, rose from the grave in your heart, and receive him. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, come on, can somebody amen me real quick that aren't you glad it didn't stop after verse 3? 
This is our testimony, but man, I'm so glad that we have a verse 4 coming up. I love verse 4. Everybody say verse 4. Verse 4. Come on, let me trigger me on verse 4. Let's go ahead and look. But God, amen. Let's go. I love but God. But God, right? But God had a plan. But God had a plan for us. Come on, online. God had a plan. I'm going to look at this camera. God had a plan for you. Let me look at this camera. God had a plan for you. Let me look back at this camera. God had a plan for you. But God, being rich in mercy, not poor in mercy. Some of us are poor in mercy. We have trouble showing mercy to other people that blew it. But God doesn't. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even, I love the even. Come on, everybody say even. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Come on, touchdown, amen. That's a touchdown, Emily. Come on. God had a plan to bless us and God had a plan to save us. All along, but God, he was moving. He was working it together. He had something in store that was better than we could have even imagined. He's teaching us this is the good news of salvation. The good news that he wanted us, even though we were by nature children of wrath. He said, I wanted you. I love how Dr. John Piper says it. He says, the reason we need a savior is not just that we are in the doghouse with God and need to be forgiven for offending His glory. We need a Savior because we're in the morgue. In the doghouse, you might whimper. You, you, you might say you're sorry. You might make some good resolutions. You might decide to cast yourself on the mercy of God. But what can you do if you're in the morgue? He says, if we could just understand where we came from, we, we would get excited about where we're going, right? That God has saved us, right? But God, he stepped in and changed everything. I love verse 8. Verse 8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Let's look at verse 8. I just want to highlight it on the screen because it's that important. By grace you have been saved through faith, right? It's, it's by his grace. You didn't deserve it. He, he gave you eyes to see. He quickened your heart to believe. He helped you see him. And, and all of a sudden you saw him as glorious and beautiful. And, and it's in that moment that you put your faith in Jesus. You said, Jesus, I believe in you. And it's in that moment that, that you got saved. Salvation does not come by our works. Salvation does not come by getting baptized. Salvation does not come by having a perfect church attendance. Salvation doesn't come by not cursing or not watching R-rated movies or not listening to specific stuff. It doesn't come by that. Salvation comes by faith. It's when you recognize that you're a deeply sinful person that is in dire need of a rescue or a savior. And you put your faith in Jesus. It's then that you are saved. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. God doesn't want anybody stealing his glory. Amen? God doesn't want anybody saying, I saved myself. I saved myself. I did it. I did. You should, you should see all the good stuff I did to be saved. It's not how the Bible teaches salvation. Salvation is that God did all the work in our place, and now we respond with faith. And that faith drives us. That faith leads us. Every time you open the Bible, Open it with faith. Every time you come to church, come to church with faith. Every time you're in a difficult situation like Daniel was in a lion's den with three lions that wanted to rip him to pieces, he stepped in with faith and made friendship with the lions. Right? Hebrews chapter 11, you can read about the hall of faith and all the different men and women who had big faith that went before us. God's plan is to save us. To save us from our sin and to save us from his wrath. 
God's plan is to save us. Come on, if you're ready for the, the third plan of God, come on, tell me you're ready. God's plan is to bless us, God's plan is to save us, and God's plan is to unite us. The book of Ephesians goes into the second half of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3 and begins to reveal to us that God doesn't want to just stop at me and him. He's looking at us. What do we do now that we're dropped into a family of people that have all been saved and set free? God had a plan not just to bless us, not just to save us, but to unite us, to give us a next level unity. Amen? That's God's plan. I don't always see it. I definitely don't see it outside the church. I don't always see it inside the church. But this is God's plan for us. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. I want to look at it in the NLT translation. It says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Now, who's the us he's talking about? Let me just break this down just briefly. The us has to do with Gentiles. The word Gentile, by definition, means non-Jew. So the, the Jewish people were always known as the chosen people of God. This is the people that God has his heart set upon, his, his heart to save them, his heart to redeem them. And then anybody else was a, a Gentile, a non-Jewish person. And a Gentile person could come to know the Jewish God. And it would require a lot of sacrifice and a lot of faith and a lot of work. But God had a plan, amen? God had a plan to unite Jews and Gentiles and make them into one big family. I don't know what you want to make. Call them Christians. Call us the followers of the way. Here's, our, here's this unitedness, right? It's, it's in Christ. We know him. We know God. We know Christ. Jews and Gentiles together has always been the plan. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Paul knew this better than anybody. right? Paul, the author of this letter, was once a Jewish, fiery persecutor of the church. Right? He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, born into the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, according to the law, blameless, did all the different things, studied under the, the scholar Gamaliel. He was fiery for his faith and passionately against Christians. Until one day, God had a plan for Paul. And God saved Paul and gave him new eyes. And he believed in Jesus. And then he became a pastor. Then Paul became a church planter. And Paul planted a church in Ephesus and wrote this letter. And he says, I know how the hostility is. Right? Paul had one of the greatest men of God killed for his faith. His name's Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Stoned to death because he believed in Jesus. Paul goes, I know the hostility. I mean, the hostility was, it was thick. You could... You could cut through it. You could feel it. It was tension like no other. Gentiles felt like God was against them. The Jews didn't like the Gentiles. The Gentiles wanted to know God but didn't know how to know God. And so they were at enemies with each other. But God had a plan, amen? God's plan was unity. God's plan was to break down the wall of hostility. The wall of hostility needs to be broken. And in the cross, the veil is torn, right? In the cross, the wall is torn down. The hostility is broken down. So now we can come together as one church with all different cultures and all different colors and all different spaces and all different places, right? And be one. Amen? Amen. This is the gospel. This is God's plan for the church. Let me go ahead and say something that may be seen as bold, but I don't necessarily think it needs to be bold. And I don't think it needs to be risky. I think it's thoroughly biblical. One of the reasons, just one, just one out of the, it's plentiful. The reasons are plentiful. But one of the reasons why we at Walk Church are so passionately against 
any form or any friend or any liking cousin of the subject of racism. One thing that we're passionately against any type of racism at all is because it's anti-God's plan. Amen? Does that make sense? You don't have to clap if you don't want. It's okay. I just want to be crystal clear. One of the reasons why we are fiery against anything that even sniffs like racism or supremacy or anything that is some group is better than another group is because Christ tore down those walls at the cross. The reason why you can't look at another brother or sister and say, I'm better than you because of my ethnicity is because that was paid for at the cross. The reason why there's no such thing as that, as far as what should be in the church is because that was never God's plan. God's plan was always unity. God's plan was to unite us with him together. And so why I believe the church... The big C church should have no problem addressing these issues. It's because this has always been the gospel. Some have even asked, some have even asked, say, hey, Pastor Hyden, is this issue a gospel issue? And I don't even have to pray about it. Yes! This, is the, this might be one of the biggest gospel issues. Right? If you thought racism was bad, in our, in our nation, and it has been, our, our, our nation's history is messy. But you can go back to Israel's history with Samaritans and Jews. They wouldn't even walk in the same city together because they thought one group was unclean and one group was, another group was unclean. They wouldn't talk to each other because they didn't look like each other. If you weren't circumcised or if you, weren't, if you didn't have this color of skin or if you didn't have this type of hair... There was no unity. And God says, I'm tearing that wall down through my son Jesus. And we, we see that disunity pop its head back up in 2020 and 2021. And the church has to be, we can't tuck our tails away and say, oh, we don't talk about it. We just talk about Jesus. Jesus is talking about it. Let Jesus talk. Yeah. It's God's plan. Let me ask you this. Who, who, who's the mouthpiece of Jesus today? It's us. It's you. We're the, we're the hands. We're, we're the feet. We're the mouth. We're the eyes. People say, oh, would, Jesus doesn't see color or culture. Yes, he does. He wants it to be united. So should we. I would even say one more thing. Let me just, before we move on to the next God's plan moment, if you're offended at this, I'd love to talk to you. Any of our team would love to talk to you and walk with you and, and, and see if we can come into a place of unity. And we'll do it in a patient way. And we'll do it together. But if you've made your mind up on this issue and you say, man, this isn't the right church for me then, I would say it's not the right church for you. It's not. Because we're going to be actively against anything that is against God's plan. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to reconcile with you. We'd love to get on the same page with you. But we're not going to compromise the gospel for anything even close. We're not going to build back up walls of hostility when they've already been torn down. Does it make sense? This was God's plan from the beginning. Look at verse 18 and 19 with me. Ephesians 2, 18 and 19. For through him we both have access. Now, now, mind you, this had to have been hard for the Ephesians to hear. The Ephesians had to have been like, what? We're about to go to church together? We're about to drink from the same water together? We're about to do communion together? Paul was like, yep. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the same Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Come on, friends. We should get to know each other. This issue is much bigger than race-related issues, too, by the way. Come on. You got to get to know somebody that votes different than you. And you got to ask them to sit around your table. Get some people around you in your life that you see as a stranger. 
But like, man, those, there's some people that go to walk church. I think they're aliens. <laughs> they need to be in your life. There's some people that always sit on this side of the room. There's some people that always sit on this side of the room. There's some people that go to the 11 o'clock service. There's some people that don't go to church because they want to stay online, and that's totally fine right now. Get to know them. Because God's will for us, God's plan for us, revealed through the book of Ephesians, has is, is, is always been unity. I had this moment this past week with my son, Epaph, that I thought was kind of funny. Uh, he's doing online kindergarten. And uh, I help them get set up every morning to get online. And they say the pledge of allegiance every morning. So that all the little kids get on, stand up, they do the whole deal. And I never, ever knew what the word indivisible meant. I had to look it up, real. It's like, you know, I know this, this pledge. But I just, I, I had this moment where I was like, after we said it, I was like, what does all this stuff even mean? And then I looked up the word indivisible. And you know what it means? Don't divide. Undivided. I don't feel undivided. I feel in a lot of ways there's a lot of division. But I believe the hope, the hope for the world, the hope for Las Vegas, the hope for the church is the church is us living out God's plan for unity. It's living out God's plan for unity. It's not just God wanted to bless me and God wanted to save me and now I'm going to be upset with everybody and be divided. No, you can't stop there. It's God wanted to save me, God wanted to bless me, and he wanted to unite me with other people in the same category that look different and speak different languages and have different testimonies. One came from a poor background. One came from a gangster background. One came from a rich background. And we're all lost and sinful and on our way to hell until Jesus intervenes. And he places us in the same church together. That's why I love church because it's an easy, it's a layup opportunity to get to know somebody different than you, which has been God's plan. Indivisible is God's plan. Are we there yet? No, but let's actively take steps toward that. I would even say celebrate Black History Month this month. Lean into it. Get, get to know culture. Get to know stories. This is just one slant. I, I celebrate all the different cultures. I love learning about the different cultures. I love, where's my brother AJ? Brother AJ, I love going to your house. You need to invite me back over to do Indian food again. I'm sorry, bro. My bad. <laughs> so I, do I clap? But I love Indian culture. This month, I'm leaning into Black History Month. And even on our Walk Church social medias, we're celebrating different African-American, Black American leaders and missionaries that took the gospel globally that oftentimes get uh, overlooked. Right? Why not? The wall of hostility is torn down. It's totally appropriate to do that because we love people. As a church, we're always growing in empathy, right? We're always growing in compassion toward everybody. This is the gospel. If you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, come on, let's go ahead and move into this transition moment. Let me go ahead and identify Ephesians 3.20 for you. Ephesians 3.20 is one of my favorite verses. It's a God verse. It's a verse for our church. It's our God of more verse. Amen? Right? It says, come on, let's read it out loud together. Ready? One, two, three. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, right? God, I love that, I love that, I love that. Now to him who's able. Ephesians 3.20, Ephesians 3.20 is a moment in the text that's a transitional part. So God is transitioning his thinking right here. He's transitioning his thinking. He's saying, check this out, church. Now that you got the first three plans, Bless us, save us, unite us. I'm transitioning into the second half of the book. Right? This is a doxology praise prayer moment from the Apostle Paul where he says, all right, now that you got all that, and you might be thinking, how's it going to happen? Here's what you got to know. He's able. Come on, say it with me. He's able. He's able. He's able. Every day at 320, set your alarms. We're praying every day he's able prayers. We've been praying for the land. 
We've been praying for a special use permit. We've been praying for lost people. We've been praying for friends and family. We've been praying for government. We've been praying for all types of things that, that, are, that are outside of our reach. He's able. And this is a transition moment where he moves, where Paul moves in the letter to, in Ephesians from right, the theology and what God wants to do inwardly to the second half of the book, which is what he wants to do practically. Right? Now, how do we work out our salvation? How do we work it out? How do we work it out? This is leading us into chapter 4. I love, I love this right here. God's plan in chapter 4 reveals to us that his plan has been to equip us. God's plan is to equip us. Bless us, save us, unite us, and equip us. God, I feel blessed. God, I feel saved. God, I feel united. But now I need some tools for my belt. How do I live this thing out? I know I'm supposed to live this out. I know that I'm already right positionally with God, but practically it's hard to get out of bed. God says, I want to equip you. God wants to equip us for this life. He wants to equip us for this work. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 talks about this plan. He, he gave the apostles. He gave the prophets. He gave the evangelists. He gave the shepherds, pastors. He gave the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That God gave us all of these different functions of the local church so that we would all be equipped. And I would even say that some of us here in the room, all of us in the room here, find ourselves in some of these different categories. Right, let, me go, let me jump back real quick. I, I'm, I'm going there. He, he, he gave the apostles that lay the blueprint. These are the ones that are going and being sent. He gave the prophets, the ones that are hearing from God and saying, okay, God, I sense that, God, you're doing something. And I always want to affirm and, uh, and confirm that with the word. He gave teachers, praise God for people that teach the word. I love my brother, Pastor Mike. I love Pastor Dean. Just really just powerful teachers in the Bible that got a calling and a gift to teaching. Right? He gave the evangelists. Right, I love evangelists, people that want to go share the word. I see my brother George, you got an evangelistic spirit on you, always wanting to go out and reach homeless people and meet people where they're at because you got an evangelistic heart, want to go on mission to the nations because you're an evangelist. He gave the, the shepherds, right? Um, the, those who have a care for I just want to sit with people and listen to their struggles. We need more shepherds, amen? Right? I, want to, I want to lead people that are broken, and I want to heal them, and I want to help them recover, right? Shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Sometimes I think as saints, right? What's a saint? A saint's somebody who knows the king saint, Jesus. We're all saints in the room if you know Christ. Make that really clear. We all are. And I would even say this. Check this out. We're all called to ministry. Amen, Amen Vashon, right? All of us are called to ministry. Every person in this room is called to ministry. Now, not everybody's called to vocational, professional ministry. Not everybody needs to quit their job that they're doing in, in their nine to five to become a pastor or to work at a church. That's not what I'm saying. You can be called to ministry without making it your profession. Because, uh, friends, here's what I want to remind you, that we need all the different professions. Right? Not, maybe not all of them. There's some professions that we don't need. But... Um, but but man, come on, Some, you're going to go to lunch after this, hopefully, and hopefully some server will bring you food so you can enjoy talking about this sermon. And how did church go today? That person is ministering to you. The word ministry by definition is serve. This could actually be read, equip the saints for the work of service. God's plan is to bless us, save us, unite us, and his plan is so that we would, we would serve. We would serve each other, we would serve the church, we would serve our families, we would serve one another. We, we would serve. This is God's plan for us, for building up the body of Christ. That We're, we're all supposed to be bodybuilders. Ooh. Come on, Jay, right? We're all bodybuilders. Now, it might not be the way you thought about it, 
But we should all be building up the body of Christ. What are we building toward? Let's look at it. Let's keep on going. Until we all attain, there it is. Until we all attain unity. Why can we have, see, some of y'all are uncomfortable right now. You still haven't made it past the last point. I could just see it. You're just like, did he really just go there? Like, dang. You got to get comfortable with this. Don't make it political. Make it biblical. Until we all attain unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We got to grow in maturity, church, to mature manhood and womanhood, right? That, 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 that word in the Greek can be interchanged. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God wants to grow us up. Look at the person next to you so it doesn't come from me. All right, look at the person next to you and say, hey, friend, you got to grow up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Look, look back at that person and say, no, you got to grow up. Hey, come on, everybody look at me. Look at me and say, let's all grow up. Come on, let's all grow up on the chat. Let's all grow up. God's plan is to equip us. God's plan is to equip us. Here's how God equips us. God equips us. God equips, he gives us the equipment. He gives us the equipment to serve each other, to love each other, to unify with each other, to listen to each other. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? How can I bless you? How can I honor you? How can I help you? And then maybe we should, don't give a fake answer. Ah, oh, I'm okay. I'm good. I don't, I'm humble. No, I need help. Hold me accountable. Walk with me. Sit by me at church. Help me. That's not everybody, but... We should all have this mentality. God's plan is to equip us. Amen. He, he does. He plans for that. Equip us for the work of the ministry. It, un, until all of us are ministering, until the youth are ministering to youth, and the kids are ministering to kids, and the adults are ministering to adults, and the senior adults and the young adults are all ministering to each other, we're never going to attain the unity that Paul dreamt of in Ephesians chapter 4. We all got to be ministering to each other. And friend, don't be so easily offended. Don't be so easily offended. And, and learn how to apologize when you offend somebody. This is, the, this is what the church, don't let this be radical Christianity. This is just Ephesians. Like, dang, that person's radical. They apologized. No, that should be everybody. Just, we should just start doing this stuff. Till we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're bodybuilding. We're building each other up. Let's not be a weak, flimsy church, amen? We don't talk about anything controversial. We don't ever offend anybody. We don't ever be offended. Everything's always just great. We're Christian. We don't struggle with sin. No. We're built. We're getting built up. You go in a weight room, tear some muscle up. Build it back up. Amen? Right? We're doing this together. Let's walk together. Let me go ahead and move into the fifth point. God's plan is not only to equip us, but God's plan is to fill us. God's plan is to fill us. This book of Ephesians talks about how God is a filling God. God loves to, to fill us up. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Come on, read it with me off the screen. Ready? One, two, three. And don't get drunk with wine. Hold up, hold up. <laughs> Some of y'all was like, whoa, that was not the verse I expected. Ready? Let's try it again. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Amen? God's plan for your life is to be filled with the Spirit of Christ. God wants you to be filled with His Holy Spirit. He does. God wants you to be filled up. God wants to fill you up. If you feel empty, God's plan is to fill you up. you got to get back around the things of God. The Spirit of God wants to give you a full tank. Jesus once told the disciples, hey, look, the flesh is weak, but the Spirit is Willing, strong, ready, right? He's there. Spirit of God is, is willing. The stuff you can't do, the Spirit of God's like, check me in, check me. I can do it. I'd love to forgive that person. 
I'd love to help that person. I'd love to serve that person. The Spirit of God would be like, yo, spend your money, man. Like, help somebody. We don't always want to listen. The Spirit of God is willing. Let him fill you. Maybe this is where you're at today, and you're like, man, I feel like I, I, I need alcohol to fill me in order to be filled. It's not true. That's not part of God's plan. The only time I find that language in Ephesians is here. Don't get drunk with wine because that leads to something. There's one translation that says debauchery. I love that word, debauchery. Yo, you need to stop your debauchery. <laughs> Calling you out on your debauchery. I saw your Facebook story. I saw your Instagram story. Cut out that debauchery. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Remember the sermon, right? Come on. God's, God's plan. God's plan. This is God's plan. God's plan is to fill us. Don't get drunk with wine. That leads to reckless living. We're not trying to lead ourselves into reckless living. You don't, like, God's going to have to do a whole bunch of stuff to try to get you out of it. And he'll do it. He's willing. But this text would tell you, be filled with the Spirit. I would even say today, you can ask God, say, God, fill me with your spirit. That's a good prayer. Every day we wake up, start with that. God, fill me with your spirit today. I'm open. Now, God might say, you got to get some stuff out in order for me to fill you up. Let him do it. Fill you with spirit. We should all, we're, we're all many Christs. In other words, it's Jesus Christ living his life through us. You know where the, the name walk came from, walk church? Colossians 2, 6, as you receive Jesus, so walk in him. That it, the, the person of Christ should be doing the things he did then, today, through us, as we walk in him. That's what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. This sermon is way too long. i got to finish it up right now. Sorry. Thank you all for your patience. Let's go into point, point six, and we have to, we have, we'll keep building off it, all right? God's plan is to bless us, God's plan is to save us, God's plan is to unite us, God's plan is to equip us, God's plan is to fill us, and God's plan is to strengthen us. I love this verse. God's plan is to strengthen his church. Finally, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally. Everybody say finally. <laughs> Dang, like, I've been waiting for this point the whole sermon, man. Finally. Finally. Woo! Come on, let's finish it. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Come on, church, be strong, right? You're going to watch a three, four-hour game, whatever, blah, 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 right? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, I'm not going to unpack this one too much because this is where we're headed, right? We, we've made our way throughout the series in Ephesians all the way through chapters 1 through 5. We hit the first five verses of chapter six, which talk about children honoring their parents and parents loving and leading their children. And we're going to go ahead and make our way into chapter six from there and how to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And you're going to need every person in here to help you stand. You're going to need the Lord to help you stand. Be strong, right? To be strong, to be courageous, and to, to be strengthened in your faith. This is God's plan for you. All right, let's go ahead and look at those six, six, six points again, the six descriptors. God's plan is to bless us, praise the Lord. God's plan is to save us, man, praise the Lord. God's plan is to unite us, praise the Lord. God's plan is to equip us, praise the Lord. God's plan is to fill us, praise the Lord. And God's plan is to strengthen us. Praise the Lord. When you can't do it, he can. He's going to strengthen you for every good work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your, your strength. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your help. And God, we need your help. God, we need your help. If we're going to really be unified, we need your help. If we're really going to be strengthened, we need your help. If we're really going to be saved, you got to save us, Lord. If we're really going to be equipped, you got to equip us, God. 
So take this message, God, and do whatever you want with it. Take the parts out that didn't need to be in it and take them out. God, I pray you would use all the parts that were needed and you would apply them directly to our hearts and give us our next step, God. And if somebody needs to be saved right now, that you would save them. Save them, Jesus. Somebody doesn't know you, God, as Savior, I pray that right now they get to know you. And that you draw them near and save them and touch them. Just right now, you can pray this prayer. You can say, Jesus, come on, let's all just pray it together. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I receive you as my Savior, as my Lord. I turn away from my sins, and I put my faith in Christ. Bless me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Unite us, Lord. Equip us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Amen.